Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time on the show, what does success actually mean, and what does it take to get there? There are an awful lot of messages that if you're doing it right, it, you're just going to attract wealth and fame and recognition and ease, and it's just not accurate. My success at the time was defined by what I had. It was defined by my position on the org chart. It was defined by the amount of money in my bank account. Coming up on The Broad Experience. We've just begun a new year, and that means we've probably all seen plenty of articles with titles like Seven Ways to a New You or Ten Ways to be More Successful in 2014. It seemed a good time to consider what exactly success means for different people and why some of us expect it to come so quickly. Recently, I came across a video career coach Kathy Caprino had posted on her website. Some of you will remember Kathy from an earlier episode of the show. She talked about the difficulty so many women have fitting into the typical corporation. She now counsels a lot of those women. In this video, she was responding to an email from a reader. The woman had a corporate career and wasn't enjoying it. She'd started a side project she was passionate about, a travel blog. But despite several months' worth of effort, the blog wasn't getting much traffic. She wanted to know whether to give up. I wanted to know why so many of us assume endeavours like this will be successful right away. You know, I was thinking about why do we assume that it's going to be easy, and I think there are three key reasons for that. Social media and inter internet marketing gurus, they sell to us by saying it's it's all going to be, you know, a split second, blink of an eye, drop of a hat. It's just not true. The second is our level of experience. Um, what I find is people that have launched things in the world, whether in the corporate world, entrepreneurially, otherwise, uh, creatively, they know how uh, how much effort it takes, how hard it is. So your level of experience in doing this is also going to help you gauge. It, it, it informs you, you know. And the third is a lot of people try to do this this stuff by themselves, alone and in a vacuum. And I do think that's a mistake. You should uh, reach out and try to get some form of expertise so you do need, uh, not necessarily to pay a lot of money, but you need expert help when you're launching something like that. I prodded her on the gender factor. Could a man have written the exact same email? Are women more easily discouraged by an apparent lack of progress? Kathy says there's something in that. I think you're right. The women I work with anyway are what I call often perfectionistic overfunctioners. They need to get an A in everything and they do more than is necessary, more than is appropriate and more than is healthy. I see it just over and over and over again. And there's a reluctance to reach out and get help. And there's truly a reluctance to invest in yourself. And I know how hard that is, having my own business. You need to pay all the bills. You want to sock away something in savings so that you can invest later. And in order to grow, you have to pay for things, a new website, you know, whatever. 
Uh, I do feel from, from my experience that women struggle with that more than men. Some of you will have heard me talk about this in the show I did on women's relationship with money. Many of us are happy it seems to splurge on some indulgence like a new shirt, but balk at paying for services that could have a much longer lasting effect on our lives. Back to what it takes to build a new endeavor from scratch. You know, there, there's another thing we didn't talk about, that build it and they will come belief. And some people, it's a new agey belief, a spiritual belief. I, I am a spiritual individual. I believe in spiritual principles. But this build it and they will come or follow what you love, do, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. I don't believe in either of those necessarily. But there, there are an awful lot of messages that if you're doing it right, it, you're just going to attract wealth and fame and recognition and ease. And it's just not accurate. So Kathy offered her correspondent some practical advice about what it means to keep going with an entrepreneurial project. Realize that everything that we create of meaning and value requires work. It doesn't fall in your lap. Uh, but, the, but the question is this, what does the work feel like? So when I look, for instance, at what I'm putting out in the world, uh, writing for Forbes or my new Amazing Career Project, it's an incredible amount of work, but it's enlivening work. Not every minute. Let's not kid ourselves. But in general, I'm excited. I'm enthralled. I can't wait to you know interview someone else. If it feels terrible, debilitating, demoralizing, if, if you procrastinate and want to do anything but that work, then something's wrong then you need to look at what is not happening that should be. The second thing I mentioned to her was we often overly attach to how something should look and the outcome. I see this, you know, with people who write books. I should be able to sell 30,000 books overnight. We overly attach without realistic expectations, and that makes us suffer. And the third thing that's important to look at is for instance, this blog that this individual is doing, is that really the right form for the essence that you're trying to create and feel and experience? So for her, for instance, she loved travel, but I didn't know, you know, is blogging about travel the right thing? There are a million ways we can uh, honor our passion for travel. And blogging, which requires Content uh, creation, editing, it requires editorial calendars. It's a vigilant process. Maybe that's not the right form for the essence she's looking for. She says it's not that surprising this woman should search for an outlet when she's so fed up at work. And at least she's doing something on a trial basis. She hasn't left her job yet. What I see are many, many midlife women coming to a true crisis they wake up and say, I don't want to continue doing this one second more. They've been hurt or downtrodden or thwarted or suppressed. They're not happy in their careers, so they fantasize about a new direction. And I call it the pendulum swing because it's like going to the opposite sides of the world in terms of what they want to do. And that was me. You know, I had an 18-year corporate career, and there was a lot of pain in it. After she was laid off, just after 9-11, Kathy knew she wanted nothing more to do with corporate life, so she trained to become a therapist. But she discovered after a while that while it might be miles away from the backbiting and politics of her company, it still wasn't the right role for her. It took more years and more training to develop her role as a leadership coach. I think we have to be very careful. If we're in careers that are causing us pain and suffering, the answer is not to leap into another direction without doing 
what I call the five steps of career change. And one of them is explore it and try it on and know before you leap that it's the right direction. Kathy Caprino. Kathy is the owner of Elia Communications and the author of the book Breakdown Breakthrough. I'll be posting links to her information under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. A quick note here before we go on. The Guardian recently featured The Broad Experience as one of its 10 best lesser-known podcasts. I was the only woman on the list. This was a huge thrill for me because, as some of you know, building a show like this takes a lot of time and work, so to be recognized by a publication like The Guardian feels great. I also want to take the opportunity to say thank you to all those of you who've taken the time to write a positive review about the show on iTunes or who've given a donation. It all adds up. Thank you. Next, I spoke to Emily Bennington. Emily teaches and writes about mindful leadership for professional women, and she came to that via a whirlwind of an early career. When she entered the workforce about 14 years ago, she didn't so much hit the ground running as racing. She thought she knew exactly what she wanted from life, to be successful in the sense of having the right title, the right clothes, earning a lot of money. And this was for good reason. Her mother hadn't had a career. She was basically beholden to the decisions that the partners made in in her life for her, and that didn't always work out so well. She's stuck in some abusive relationships because she couldn't support herself otherwise. She did find happiness with Emily's stepfather, but after almost 20 years, he died of a heart attack, and again, her mum was left alone with few financial underpinnings. All Emily knew was that she was not going to let the same thing happen to her. I started my career working for a marketing agency, and I was a ball of ambition, and it was, it was, chan- it was actually... It came across as ambition, but what was driving it was fear. And just, again, just watching how my mother was and just knowing that that's not what I wanted for myself, I was just pushing, 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 pushing. And it resulted in burnout very young. But one of the things that got me so interested in leadership and mindful leadership in particular was after pushing for a year, my first year in the workforce, I had my very first performance review with my boss. And one of the things that he said was, Emily, I think that your technical work is great and and I I want to see you succeed in your career, but here's the problem. He's like, I know that you want to raise, I know that you want a promotion, but I can't promote you because nobody on this team respects you. Ouch. One of the things I learned walking out of that meeting was that I needed to be more aware of the fact that my success wasn't just dependent upon what I brought to the table. My success was dependent upon the support and the encouragement of my team. And it was the the whole rising tide lifts all boats, right? Um, at, after that meeting, it became very clear to me that, that if I was going to succeed, then I was going to have to learn how to be a team builder. Okay, but why didn't anyone respect her? Well, I was the classic, I like to refer to it as devil wears Prada archetype. It was the highly ambitious woman who, and, and I just want to, I don't want to categorize it as just women because obviously men fall into this trap too, but my success at the time was defined by what I had. It was defined by my position on the org chart. It was defined by the amount of money in my bank account. And it was all of those external factors that really 
contributed to how I saw myself. And you know what? I thought that because that's what we're taught success is. When you go into the bookstore, when you look at the leadership section or the career section, that's basically how success is defined. Um, and so I fell into that. And, and what I learned after a few years was that that's a trap <laughs> and that actually makes you pretty unhappy. And so I had to flip it upside down on its head. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Emily and her husband have two little boys who are now eight and six. She says when she had them, she was at the height of her corporate career, striving, getting her first book published, being head of a young professionals group, sitting on a board, always comparing herself to her colleagues. She was exhausted and crying a lot when she got home. She says stepping away from corporate life, thinking about who and what really mattered to her, changed her whole idea of what it is to be successful. She's still ambitious, she says, but she controls that drive rather than the other way around. A magnificent career comes from being a magnificent woman first. And it's a really flipped upside down paradigm of success. And it goes against judging your success based on what it is that you have and what it is that you've achieved. And it bases success on really the only thing in your life that you can control, and that's yourself and how you choose to respond to the world around you. And so when I talk about what it means to be successful now, success is showing up every day as the best of myself, as the best of who I am and who I want to be, and then letting the chips fall where they may as a result of that. This was starting to get a bit Oprah for me. I asked Emily to drill down and give me some examples of how this mindfulness plays out in her daily life. For one thing, I knew she had an interesting approach to goals. We're often told goals are vital to move us forward in life and work. I find them useful motivators. I have a very love-hate relationship with goals because the the most unhappy I've ever been in my career is when I was 100% goal-driven and viewing my success based on whether or not I achieved the goal. Now, that's really a system that's designed to ensure that we stay unhappy or that we stay perpetually unsatisfied because when your success is based on the goal, um, you're never happy. So you're happy when you get the goal for a moment, but then the bar gets higher. Then it's like, okay, well, what's next? So what I've discovered is that you can't just rest in achieving the goal. There's always another step to be made afterwards. And then, of course, if you don't get the goal, well, you're unhappy then because you feel like a loser. And so that process of just doing that again and again and again, getting the goal or not getting the goal, is just this emotional roller coaster. One that was making her miserable. Ultimately, she decided to focus on the way she carried herself each day. So recognizing that the only thing that you can control in your life is yourself... I sat down and said, okay, well, who is it that I want to be? Who do I need to be to do the things that I want to do? And so I sat down and I thought of different virtues that I wanted to to personify and embody. 
And for me, these were things like discipline, these are positivity, uh, mindfulness. And so what I focus on instead of, did I get everything done on my task list today? What I focus on at the end of the day is, did I show up as who I wanted to be? And what I've discovered is that as I continue to show up as the best of who I am, then I get the things done. I get the things done that need to be done and I do them well. So the goals tend to happen anyway. And I tell you what, I have been happier than I've ever been as a result of just saying, you know what, it's not that I don't have goals, um, because like you, they're incredibly motivating. Um, But at the same time, you have to detach from them if you want to maintain some sort of peace (laughs) in your life. So she keeps them there, but she's also able to let them go if she doesn't hit them. As for what she calls virtues, like positivity, she says, sure, it's easy to say you want to remain positive in a dysfunctional work environment, but you have to pair that positivity with a true intention to carry it out at all times, even testing times. If you set an intention, so you're you're being proactive about who it is that you want to be, then you tend to be that person versus just allowing the emotion or whatever it is that you're feeling in the moment to guide your behavior, you know, so you're kind of blowing in the wind like a flag. Um, But if you have an intention, it's almost like you set your sail. This is who it is that you're going to be, and you tend to stick with that. And so if you do that over and over and over again, what starts to happen is you get the little things right each day. So as you get the little things right time and time and time again, then what happens is you look back and it's like, oh, I've got, I've got this great reputation at work and I'm happier too. Okay, it was time for me to put on my cynical journalist hat. Because it all, I mean, it sounds really encouraging and I love this different way of thinking about success and the way we do things. Um, it certainly suits me. But the fact is, we do live in a society that largely still places the other value on success. You know, the, the title, the, the org chart version. And when you're a woman in a corporation, I don't know, what, what do you think? Have you heard from people who are in corporations and they're saying that your advice and your methods are really making a difference to them? I'm just, I just know how dysfunctional companies can be. And I wonder if women can really make this kind of change from the inside or how long it's going to take. Hmm. Yeah. And that's where business culture itself needs to change. And that's one of the reasons why I I love speaking to women, because women seem to really get this idea of conscious leadership. And by conscious leadership, I mean, not only looking out for yourself, but looking out for the team around you and using that to propel your, your way up. I mean, I love the quote that great leaders don't have to claw their way to the top, they're carried there. And that's, that's, that's what I mean by conscious leadership. And that's what I think leadership needs to be. And that's where business, I think, needs to, to reform in some ways to support leaders who, who rise in that way. She says Whole Foods CEO John Mackey and Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post are two top dogs she admires who are exercising conscious leadership. If you have a job at either of those places, I'd love to hear whether you think it's working. Emily still reminds herself of different ways to think about success. Usually when you just meet somebody, the first, like at a cocktail party or whatever, the first question that you ask, aside from, you know, what's your name and whatnot, is what do you do? And that 
puts us in a position where we evaluate our success based on the, again, the things that we have and the things that we don't have and the job that we have and the job that we don't have or whatever. But I had a friend of mine ask me, how do you serve? And I just thought that was such a fantastic question. And it really put things into perspective for me to think about, okay, well, I may not be as accomplished in my career as I want to be, but I can always serve. So whether you're serving clients, whether you're serving students, whoever you're serving, if you're serving well, if you're doing that well, you're going to have satisfied students, satisfied clients, whatever, and that will propel your career. It will advance what you do. And so I just keep that in mind right now all the time is that if I'm serving well, then I will get where I want to go. And so it just, once again, shifts the perspective to something that I can control. I can't always control, you know, how advanced that I am in my career. Office politics. Exactly. But I can always control how I'm serving. And if I think if you bring that mindset to work with you every day, you'll really find the snow, what I call the snow globe mind, the monkey mind, whatever begins to settle. Because again, you're reclaiming your power by focusing on what you can control. Emily Bennington. You can find out more about Emily at her website, and I'm putting a link to that and her book, Who Says It's a Man's World, under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. That's The Broad Experience for this time. Next time on the show, we look at the different ways men and women use humour at the office. Men were using it more often, and they were using it in a way that produced a laugh, whereas when women used it less often, they often didn't get a laugh. Hmm... The Broad Experience is supported by the Mule Radio Syndicate, which hosts other great podcasts, including the investigative show Muckrock and Impolite Company. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.